What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Zach and Pat Show. I'm Zach. Pat's on vacation. Pat is obviously not here today, um, but we have Murph filling in for him here. Um, this is the show about manhood, fatherhood, entrepreneurship, and the mentality it takes to be successful at those things. You know, we'll definitely talk about some real estate too, because that's what you know that's what Pat and I do. And uh, you know, we just want we made this podcast. Really, I mean, it was kind of inspired because of a conversation Murph and I actually had. And, uh, you know, I was on his podcast and being a such a consumer podcast for so long and really enjoying them and, and really enjoying being on his. It really inspired me to do my own and uh, thought this would be a cool opportunity today to have Murph on and we can chat about, you know, really the relationship that him and I have created over this last year and what we've kind of done and built together and, and really what's kind of inspired us to do this show. So welcome welcome to the show, Pat. Uh, Murph here. We've, uh, you know, you've been here for, um, every, episode. for every episode and it's not like, you know, you're going to be here for all the other future episodes, but, you know, obviously we're happy to have you and uh, just going to be a little conversation with a buddy today, you know? There have been some episodes I was not sitting in studio for because I had to like run to my house and go get something yeah, or ride memory cards. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> or I had to go buy a new switch. I didn't have to go buy a new switchboard, but it was one of the investments that I saw as necessary because like I'm here, I do your podcast more than I do my own podcast, which is so funny. Yeah. And this is kind of like the main bulk of the creative energy that I put forth. So making this room, what it's been over the last month or so, it's been an awesome effort, and I really wanted to contribute more than just, like, the editing and the camera work. And we appreciate that, man. I mean, especially with, I mean, you've provided, like, all the equipment here. I mean, that's we've essentially just, you know, brought, I brought the brought the room together and the decor, but all the equipment, everything, that's all you. So, you know, obviously we couldn't do this without you. So, um, you know, you and I have really, I mean, we've been working together since February, right, of last year. It's and, February of this you know, year. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. I mean, it's crazy that we've only been doing this podcast. It seems a lot longer than you said a month. But man, it's been what like it's been a little. I guess it's been we started the end of December, right? I think so. it was like just after Christmas we recorded. Our first yeah, episode. I mean, we put out two episodes a week as of right now, and we've been consistent on that. I think the first week we only did one episode though, but yeah, even in two months, I mean, the amount of work that's gone into it, which I I love doing because it's gaining traction. It's something that we're focused on doing. And I'm a guy personally who like, when it comes to my own stuff, it will come like second to the thing where I get to help other people and have like a big driving force in that because the enthusiasm that you two have brought to this mm-hmm. makes it so worth it. Oh yeah. We're, I'm having so much fun with it, man. I, I really, I leave even today when I knew it was just you coming in, I get like a little excited, you know, like I just, I don't know. They're fun. It's always a, uh, you know, we'll have conversations and, and I'll find something up. I always find something up about Pat that I've never heard or never known or whatever. And I'm sure, I, you know, you and I will talk about all sorts of stuff today. You know, I mean, it's it's just I look forward to doing every episode. And it's always it's always a learning experience. And it's always just like a, I feel like I'm working out a muscle that I've, you know, it's like that conversation muscle. It's cool to feel that this is work. Mm-hmm. I could yeah. do this literally every day. Not get tired of it. Now, of course, it's like, oh, daddy got to go rave or something. Daddy's going to go <laughs> rave or something. But like, I'll edit. I'm yeah. going to be in Miami editing an episode that we do in the month or so here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So we started working together in February. I just want to. So formally, for- me as your media contractor, we worked before then. So you could sell me a house. That's true. Yeah. So I, I sold Murph a house. Uh, his first house. When was that? Back in August of 22. 
Right. August of 22. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, so I sold him a house back when he was still uh, a W-2 employee. And uh, and then he, uh, he, you know, got into, when did you buy your first camera? Right around then, maybe two months before then. It was the summer of 22. And the inspiration behind it was I had noticed that the, because I was working at first form at the time and I had noticed that like reels, especially in the fitness industry, they'd become a lot more high quality as far as like the equipment being used. You could tell people weren't just using their iPhones anymore. And I saw these big muscle bound goons who have all the hallmarks of, you know, 2020s gym bro culture, broccoli haircut, high top fade, cross earring, high top socks, posing with their bros in the mirrors like this. They were just taking a camera sitting in the mirror like this. And I was, I was like, this is insulting as a level of content. Like, dude, yeah, you're in good shape, but like, what could I do with that? Sure. And so I started shooting uh, the workouts at first form. Like if the media team was depleted for a reason, I would shoot some of the the events there. It it was God awful content, but like it was just me stepping up and doing it. I took it to EDC Orlando in November of 22. And that's where we kind of figured out like, You've got something here. Mm-hmm. And having Matt Joe there especially really brought that out. So Right. Well he's yeah, he's a wizard, man. Yeah. He's uh he's definitely I mean, it's really cool to see what he's done and grown his business into like over this last year. Wild what you know, where where they're at now compared to where they were I mean, last year. You mm-hmm. know, you think of how many people he works with now, but it's uh, I mean you too. I mean, look at look at where you're at now from where you were a year ago. It's completely different not only in the the quality of the content, but also like the business that you've now created and all the people you're working with, like fucking awesome. Cause when it first started, it was like me and a couple other people. When you were my second client at the time, first was Mark. And at that point I was, I was on survival mode. I, like I was on thriving mode and well, you, you, you did something I wouldn't necessarily recommend most people do <laughs> is like, you know, you've got a good steady job and you're and you kind of like, well, I'm just going to go all in on my, I mean, fucking got the balls to do it, which is awesome. You know, like just go in, go all in on yourself. You know, that's a, it's a scary step to make, but I mean, you did it and obviously it's, it's worked out very well for you. And we're still discovering what the after effects of that are because I still have a great relationship with first form. I can mm-hmm. still contract out media to them, which is something I had to earn. And to be completely honest, like, they gave me an opportunity that I don't think I deserved based on the merits of my skill. It's because they knew that I would work hard to improve. And for for those of you who don't know, like I, you know, I got the call from leadership back there. They said, Hey, we could use you around here a little bit more. And at this point, I mean, I was paying my bills, but like I wasn't growing my business mm-hmm. and I had to learn very quickly, like, okay, because everything at first form standard is it's right. to the ceiling. It's cracking the roof. And I, I had to upgrade my equipment very quick. My skill set had to get better. My editing had to get better. The the money I had to put into it had to improve. And they, you know, they could have easily just said, all right, we made a mistake. But they're like, no, like continue to invest in yourself. And as far as the, the growth from that point, the biggest thing for me was just like have the balls to like do what you say you're gonna do. If you mess up, own up to it. And there's people whose projects I've messed up. There's footage I've lost. There's photo shoots I've done that have not been great. A lot of people have this very hyperbolic idea of what your first year of entrepreneurship is. And it, it, I mean, for you, your first year selling houses, you sold 32 houses. That's not average. 
Right. You had to put in an inordinate amount of effort and be very objective about, about what it is that you could offer. You could offer people great service and honesty and a work ethic that no one else will give them. That's literally all I had. And the truth is, is that, yeah, I had a good career and I loved everything about working there. I still love everything about that place. I would, I told Andy to his face, I'm like, you're the only person I will ever formally be a W2 employee for ever again. If I ever saw it necessary, but that place requires a 100% effort. It's not a job. It's a lifestyle. Can't be. That's one thing I've, I've worked with a lot of people, you know, that work at first form and yeah, that's one thing you cannot, I've, I've noticed it's a, it's a standard across all of them. They're all same kind of type of people Mm -hmm. where, you know, it's, they do it right or they don't do it, you know? I mean, that's, that's how it is there. And I mean, it's a great, amazing culture and some fucking awesome people that work there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just definitely one thing I've noticed from everybody that's worked there is they, they, they have a set of standards and it's very admirable. That was the other reason why it was kind of easy for me to go because I knew I wasn't hitting the mark. Like I was working hard, but I wasn't being effective. Like my immediate leadership in my department and I had great relationships because they always knew I gave like 110% effort, but it got to the point where like my salespeople that I would talk to, they're like, something's off with you. And I was in a long distance relationship at the time. You're working a lifestyle, not a job. And you feel your heart being pulled towards something creative. And it's like, well, I can really only do so much of this. Well, yeah, man. I've only got so much time in the day. So it's like, if that's something you want to do and you've got to spend X amount of hours a week, you know, in this building doing this or whatever, whatever your obligations were, it's just, it's, you know, you're probably thinking about the other thing and then you're half in on the one thing. And it's just, uh, gotta be frustrating. Cause I, I think of back when I was getting started and you know, I, 2020 happened, everything shut down. I was like, all right, I'll be a full-time real estate agent because I can't work in the restaurant anymore. And then got a, got business rolling. And then when the restaurants opened back up in like July or late June or whatever it was, I was like, you know, I was definitely not all in at all, obviously, but a little bit different. Cause I would, I knew, I never knew, I, I always knew that that was like a, just a, a stalling point or whatever you want to call it. It was a stepping stone, stepping stone. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, it was a stepping stone. I knew I wasn't going to like, you know, sling pancakes for the rest of my life. But, uh, you know, I, I knew that that was, it just came a lot sooner than I thought, just like you. I mean, I'm sure like you, t- you bought your first camera and then like three months later, like, Hey, I'm doing my own business now. <laughs> uh, it was, it was crazy because I remember the night I got my LLC set up and I had told my, my girlfriend at the time, and she's like, I'm so proud of you. And since it was like long distance, we, we had been starting to have the conversation of like who was going to move there and she made a joke about me moving to California and we got into a fight that night and that's like how I remember like the date of when I signed up for my LLC is I got into a fight with my girlfriend that night <laughs> and it's like it was one of those things that I I wanted to be all in on just because I have been someone who's always said I want my brand I want my name it's recognition to be like I inspired average people to believe they were capable of anything I wanted to prove that to average people because I don't have any glorified skill set or any real ability to do anything special. I'm good at communicating and I learned how to use a camera and edit. Yeah. Everything else has been grit and just the audacity to say like, I can do that despite people telling me I couldn't. If I'm not willing to take that step on myself, why am I allowed to tell someone else to go do that? Right. Makes complete sense. No. Uh, 
Yeah. So, I mean, let's, uh, let's tell the people kind of, I guess, you know, your background was obviously, um, you know, working at first, like how long did you work at first form? Um, three and a half years as a W2. And then my contract at the end of 2023 was about another six months and that's tentative. So basically when they need me like, Hey, maybe summer smash, we need extra cameras on the event, event, come uh, through, whatever it is. Hey, we have a legionnaire weekend. You got some time. Um, so that's kind of my span with first form. I trained at S2 for about three weeks, uh, in 2018, I think. And then, then you moved up to, moved to like the warehouse. There, well, there was a span of two years between those two things. Oh, um, really? Okay. Yeah. So like 2018 and then like most of 2019, I still lived in Springfield and I was working in the restaurant industry like yeah. you. I kind of realized like, hey, I've hit my ceiling in this town because you were in Springfield. Yeah. So so after you graduated from Springfield, you just stayed there? Uh, yeah. So I walked at graduation. I still don't have my degree. I'm oh. three classes shy oh. and $35,000 in debt. Yeah, but I'm not really that worried about it because all things considered, like my skill set is pretty established from that. And I got the practical knowledge I needed out of it. I spent about two years really just working in restaurants and bars and nightclubs and anything that I could get tips because one of the great things about working in the service industry is you can maximize your earning potential just by having enthusiasm and being able to follow simple directions. 100%. And I was always able to leverage that into, hey, we need someone to stay late. There's another 50 bucks. Hey, you get here at 5 a.m. and clean the whole restaurant. There's a hundred bucks. It was like There's how, a lot of opportunities like that in the restaurant. Like, just, hey, we stay after and clean the hoods. Will you do this? Will you do, you know, like there's so many little things that I used to do that was just like extra cash, you know, mm-hmm. like why not? You know, what else am I doing? Yeah. I, I was always looking for any opportunity I could to make money, man. It was, uh, I mean, I still, fuck, I still am. As you <laughs> just should. A little, just a little different, you know, just a little different way to do it, but it's, uh, you know, at the time, you know, when you're in the restaurants and you're young and struggling or you're just even young and just, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, young and struggling, really. I mean, financially, you know, you're, you're never in like a comfortable spot. But Well, I, I, I had the double jeopardy of not only being young and stupid and bad with money, which all those things were incredibly true. But on top of that, like my early 20s from like 18 to 23, that was basically spent being the biggest derelict I could be. It was like, I'm going to drink nonstop because I, I was a dare kid in high school. I, I was the sweetest, most like, you're staying on the porch step because the world is scary. Mom said so type of kid. Like, mm. I was a very good kid. Most people can't believe that. Really? That does surprise me. <laughs> yeah. And the kind of the thing was is that I believed the world was one way. I felt the world was one way. And so when I kind of started to drink and started to party, I was like, I know how to have a good time. So that was when? 18. 18. Okay. I, I re- you didn't drink in high school, really? I mean, I guess I, I tail drank- end. I drank like one beer in high school. I think I was drunk one time before the week of graduation in high school. I smoked weed twice in high school. And the first time I was 16, my homie had at the time hollowed out a cigarette and we smoked that with like half weed in it. It was awful. I've done that. But then the next time, <laughs> the next time my homie whose family was very well off, he put me in a massage chair. I melted. He gave me a star crunch. We turned on Gabriel Lee Glacius is hot and fluffy. It's like 2011. This is prime time shit. And then he hits me with, Hey bro, I'm sorry to cut this short, but my parents could be home any minute. He sent me home to drive after that. And I was like, yo, (laughs) it was great though. I, that was the period where I started learning about taking risks and like, you don't have to be such a goody two shoes, but yeah, I over leveraged that time with like, you're going to drink on the weekends to like, you're going to drink every day to like, you're going to smoke after school to you're going to skip school to smoke to 
you're going to spend all your money on this shit to you're going to work part-time jobs just so no one worries about where the excess money that comes from doing all this bad shit. Cause mm. once you learn how to break down a pack of something, you lo- start learning like, Hey, there's 16 ounces in a pound. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, there's four, 28 quarter- grams in an ounce. Yeah. <laughs> seven grams and a quarter, 14 and a half, 3.5 and an eighth. You really start running the numbers and start running around with a bunch of flashy shit and you start thinking that no one can catch you. And, you get caught. Yeah. So is that what happened? Yeah. So basically, like I said, from 18 to 23, um, I was somebody who, I mean, I was everybody's guy and I wasn't known as like the highest quality dude as far as Bud went. Like I was the guy you went to save some money and I was making a lot of money, but like I was always good for it. And you make so much money so quickly that you start developing more expensive habits and you start taking greater risks. And by the time that we started experimenting with like things that were sodium chloride based, like, you know, like Molly and Coke and things of that nature, the, the level of like what you're doing, the paranoia, oh, it's the gotta money. Go, it's got to be skyrocketed because so much more money is involved and the consequences are so much higher. And the personalities are not near as friendly. Mm. Like, yeah, that's something I have no experience with. And you don't want it. I don't want it. Like yeah. one of the scariest moments of my life. I was thinking about this literally yesterday. Um, so we got in pretty deep by the time I was going to Springfield. And so like I ran an operation where I would take stuff to and from Springfield and St. Louis. Louis. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we a would get. A lot of people that would kind of do that, do, make that three hour drive. You could take something from St. Louis that was really good and you could just like tax the shit out yeah, of people in Springfield. I used to, so many people that I knew when I was down in college. Oh, y'all that. want an ounce? $400. Right. They were happy to pay it because they had like five dudes going in on it. It was better than anything they could get down there. So I remember there was this one time that me and my partner, we were driving to St. Louis from Springfield and my homie calls me and he goes, Hey, our spot just got licked. I'm like, what? And so he was like, when yeah, you were, you were driving to St. Louis or to, we were front going from Springfield to St. Louis and I get a call. So I'm you on, just left. I'm right. on highway. Four. We're about, we're at Rolla. Okay. So you're an hour and a half into the drive. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> 188 miles. Thank yeah. you very much. I've driven this drive. Me I don't too. know how many fucking so times. I. So we're about halfway there and homie calls me. He goes, yo, my, the spot just got licked and we were essentially selling out of his mom's duplex. He goes, three dudes ran in through the back door. One held a knife to me. One held a gun to me. The other one just held up his fist and says, where's the stuff? Someone had leaked that we left the back door open for our, our customers. And so these guys would spy from this church up top and they could see if no one was coming in or out. So these guys ran in. They only got like two ounces of bud. And my dude's mom chased him out of the house. Well, remember the why not party bus? The blue party bus? I think sc- so. There was someone working on those in the same parking lot. They saw the whole thing go down. They got the guy's license plate. Nice. And they called the cops. Oh. So these guys all got caught with our bud. Little did we know that the neighbors had been bitching to the cops about us because it always smelled like weed and there was always people coming and going. A week later, dut, 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 my dude gets a knock on the door. Drug task force. And it's not like a cop. It's like dozens of cops. Now, we were smart for the moment because we moved all of our shit. And this is like 10 years ago, might have actually like 12 years ago. And they didn't get anything except our industrial size scale. My dumbass friend literally went on the news and had pointed out the guys in our yearbook because these guys went to our high school that tried to rob him. Oh, really? So you're on the news after all this shit happens. So your partner was on the news. Yep. Okay. And so why was he on the news? 
because they, the, the cops had basically gotten these guys and like they told the generalized story that three St. Louis County kids tried to rob this house. They didn't say for what. This was Springfield news? Or no, this was St. Louis. This was in the county. Oh. And so basically we got a call a week later from big guy. Yeah. Come see me. Now it wasn't come drive out to see me. He made this call while he was outside the spot. He goes, don't worry. You'll follow me to the place. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck? You don't here, man. And this guy was only a year older than us, but he was next level. He's no longer of this earth, unfortunately, and rest his soul. Um, but like he brought us to a spot in North County. This immediately was like, what is going on? And I had never seen an AR-15 in real life. Puts the mag in, points it at me, and literally says, you got anything you want to tell me? I'm like, and just put it down. He goes, I'm fucking leaving. It was the scariest moment of my life until that point. This is why when people say don't do stupid shit, this is what they mean. <laughs> Play stupid games, get stupid prizes, right? Yep. And <laughs> this guy, like, you know, I admired him so much at one point. But when you see that, get that deep into that life, it's kind of like. That's where it goes. <laughs> it's kind of like the dark side in Star Wars. You know, when people join the Sith, they look like uh, Palpatine. They become sure. all disheveled and like their eyes get sunken in. It's because the work that they're doing on this earth is corrupting their soul. I've heard it being described as like, looks like they got bit by a vampire. Kind of. You know, it kind of takes a life from you. It does. Like it, it kind of sucks the soul from you. Or it, you. It ages you rapidly because not only are you getting high on your own supply, which you should not be doing no matter what it is. Like the people who can not do that, great job. Don't know how you do it. But it is the fact that you know you're doing something that's illegal. You're starting to mess with people at an increased frequency. Anything you get caught with immediately makes your life more complicated. It it it, it, it often shuts down the way that you make money. Well, yeah, there's got to just always be a level of anxiety there. Like one worry that like, you know, you never know. Is there going to be a knock at the door? Is there going to be someone that gets pulled over? Someone, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong. And like, you're just gambling. I mean it's 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 gonna probably happen eventually you're you know nobody gets away with everything forever it's not the first time that anyone quits either like you have to get stung usually multiple times in order to learn your lesson you have to touch the stove a few times like in total i think i got caught with something illicit in my life three times the last time it was like yeah bro i'm already on probation i can't keep doing this now you're gonna you're going down a path that you don't want well and even then like i actually texted this dude yesterday uh even after i got caught the initial time like i still was in the game a little bit because i just i had immense bills to pay like you got to pay lawyers you got to pay court fees you got to pay for drug rehab you got to pay for a lot of shit when you get caught and my roommate at the time brisbane shout out brisbane um i remember he was wine drunk one saturday night and i was going to pick up a pound of weed and like i mentioned this conversation and he has a like really thick nasally minnesota accent he's like if I might be a little fucked up over here, but like, I don't think that's a good idea, bro. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're probably right. And that's the thing that we always said to each other in our house is like, yeah, you're probably right. It means I'm disregarding you. It means I'm going to go do whatever the fuck anyways. Or I really don't agree with you. He goes, no, like I'm being serious. And like, he was drunk as shit, but like he had a little heart to heart with us and like just me and him. He goes, no, you're a really smart guy. 
and I love you. And I don't want to, and I, he goes, I know I bust your chops all the time. Cause I lived in a, I lived in a fraternity house with four SIG apps and I was a SIG new. They were all like pledge brothers too. So oh, like yeah. they all fucked with me. Sure. And I was like, the the, man out. Yeah. yeah. But it, it just kind of like showed me like this guy who had no idea what I was going through. He, he spoke up and he like really hit me that night. And I think it was after that conversation, I got my first like W2 job post all the dumb shit. And I worked for three years tirelessly to fix my life. And then, so that was, this was end of college, I guess. So I got caught up in 2016 okay. in November, Black Friday, 2016 was the last time I got in trouble. Um, and basically I was on probation for five years straight for all the times I got caught in college. Um, I have a conviction on my record for possession. Who knows what, what could have happened if, you know, things could have went a different way. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know. there were many times where it almost came to that. Um, Thing I the thing I hope people take away from that little clip of my story is that it was an adventure, but like you can you can have an adventure without turning into a bad guy. Yeah. Very true. I mean, yeah, dip your toe in the pool. You don't have to you don't have to you know completely dive all the way in and yeah. So no, uh, so you've been I guess we can get into you know so you you've been building this business over the last year. Obviously, we've already mentioned that I was like kind of your second client. Mm-hmm. Um, let's give the people kind of an like snapshot into like where your business was when you first got started and kind of where you're at now, how it's grown. Like as far as like how many people you're working with, I mean, obviously you've kind of gotten into this like podcast developing space, which I don't think was like really your plan, but it, uh, it's kind of turned into that now. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I think that's, there's two things that I'm, I think specialist of, and it's funny because they go hand in hand. One is producing podcasts. The other one's talking head reels. Um, and I think the reason I'm just good at it is number one, communication is something that's really important to me for a guy who has a lot of urbanisms as in like, I, I talk with an urban accent. Most of the time I'm very fluent in slang, the English major in me, which creative writing and literature is what I specialized in in college, getting that on camera and telling that story is something very simple for me. Uh, and just the talking head real thing is because it builds trust and it's easy and it's simple. Uh, as far as what I do for my business, um, I am the CEO of Paradigm Media Solutions. He is him. I am him. <laughs> and don't you forget it. Uh, I am the CEO of Paradigm Media Solutions, which I created the name basically out of like the mind shift I had of, I have to stop being a consumer and I have to start being a producer. And I'm like, well, what can I do to produce for people? I picked up a camera, which was just for me to do social media content. And then I realized like this little thing, these things that we're recording on right now, Getting fluent in them is probably the best skill set that anyone can do. Like copywriting and camera work and editing, you can you can be your own marketing team mm-hmm. with like very little skills and experience. Just compound. I feel like it's a very uh, low barrier for entry for people to like kind of start that business. I mean, obviously you have to buy the equipment, but then mm-hmm. like then it's on to you and yeah. knowing the skill sets from there. But. And the thing for me was really like, okay, I've got the camera, but how do I use it correctly? Learning how to balance it. Figure, part. <laughs> yeah, figuring out lighting, figuring out color it took me a long time, which it really shouldn't have. Um, and just being okay with saying like, I'm okay at this level and I need to keep increasing because as far as like, you know, my first few months in business, like it was struggling to get by. It was like, okay, how can I minimize the amount of expenses and how can I maximize my revenue? And I started out, I think in that first three months, I really had like, it's just like you, Mark, and I think one other consistent client. And that got my bills paid. 
which was awesome. When I started contracting around first form, that that allowed me to leverage less time in the building for more money that I could do what I want with before taxes had to come out. And that meant like, okay, I feel safe taking out business credit cards, leveraging those for points and rewards. And, you know, I, I got really big on the concept of if I don't pay interest, it's fucking worth it. And that's a big tip I have, which is there is never a bad time to invest in your business because where you are, there's a ceiling to that. And if I hadn't upgraded my cameras when I did, if I hadn't bought multiple cameras, if I hadn't invested in more tripods, if I hadn't invested in more computers and more cables and more switchboards, like a lot of the opportunities that came about today would not be what they are. And the thing about the podcasts is I don't even know how that came to be completely honest. I think it was just like the first one I started producing on the regular was Nahama's podcast, which she is a creator here. Uh, her podcast is Jew from the Lou. And such a good name. It's it's on it's on brand. Yeah, it is literally it's just like the, her logo and everything is awesome. Yeah, shout out to her and everything she does in graphic design. Uh, we've had about a year long relationship, and with her, like again, I've I've there's a lot of things that I've messed up, and she still takes a chance on me, and I can be incredibly hard to work with too because <laughs> I I want things to be a certain way. If they're not, I get frustrated. You saw that the other day. Sure. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of like Andy's teaching in me it's that how you do one thing is how you do everything so when i mess up i'm very hard on myself yeah. and that's one of the things i've had to learn is like dude this is the time to mess up um working with first form was really really great and continues to be really great i've found that especially with like the podcast thing i am not just a guy who shoots video i'm the producer right i have to make suggestions i have to you help lead the conversation sometimes too you, you a lot of times you have like really good input on things and you know it's yeah it's great i'm bro i always love having you here and like you just like oh well, it's just always having nice to have another person in the room to like bounce an idea off of mm-hmm. or like you know just it just it just helps to have another person to kind of throw the ball at you know cuz that's that's kind of yeah. what i look at this is sometimes mm-hmm. it's like we're just kind of playing catch yeah you know it's like your turn my turn you know your turn my turn oh what we've, what we've never yeah. wanted it to, to devolve into, though, is, and that's just something I do take a lot of conviction in, is, like, I've never just wanted us to be a bunch of guys taking turns talking. Like, yeah. we have in-depth discussions, and, like, sometimes I interject because I want to make a point that will challenge someone. Sure. But, because the one thing I don't ever want this to be is an echo chamber. Like, And I don't think it'll ever be that way, because we, I mean, we're going to be having on so many different kinds of guests and so many different people, and, you know, we all have different different thoughts and beliefs. Like we're yeah. definitely not all. Some people don't pay for, you know, social media creators. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry, Petty. I'm yeah. kidding. No, it'll be, yeah, kind it'll of. be. Yeah. But anyway, no, we, we all, we've all got definitely differing opinions and beliefs and thoughts on a lot of things. So I don't think we're ever going to be kind of in this echo chamber and we're going to have ton ton of different guests on. I mean, we've already got, I mean, we're booked out for what a couple, like a month or two now at least. Yeah. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, and I, I mean, we, Ryan, I've got a long list of people mm-hmm. that I think would be really, really good guests. And you know what we're going to have, I mean, I'm, I have no end in sight for this thing. Like I want to keep going with it. Cause I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. Well, the thing the, if I could interject for a second in terms yeah. of like my thoughts about you, I, 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 I had met Pat shortly before we started doing this. Cause we started doing the skits. The, the effort you guys have put forth into this is it's why I love working with the two of you because at, since 2020, everyone and their brother wants to have a podcast. And I, 
I've riffed on this endless amounts of time, but, and we, we had a conversation, like, what are we going to talk about? And I was like, you have to find a lane where you are authorities. And the things we talked about, business, real estate, mortgage loan officer, fatherhood, winning, like those are great topics. I really am excited to see what this turns into because I want people to understand like, yes, you can have a podcast where you talk about anything. Talk about the stuff you're really, really skilled at. Right. You guys have led with such enthusiasm and you got good quick. Like, I, I mean, look, Pat had never done a podcast. Before oh, dude, yeah, I mean, I had done, I'd done yours and that was it. Yeah. You guys found your voice really quickly. You, you watched like one episode, took your critiques of yourself yeah. and you were like, all right, now let's go do another one. You got on quick and it's been I mean, inspiring to well, see. It's, it's just like, I look at it like anything else. Like I look at it like, like jujitsu. I mean, I'm not, I always obviously <laughs> relate a lot of things. back. My to guys who podcast and do jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. I've clearly got a, uh, a, a guy that I, I model my, a lot of thoughts and stuff on, but, uh, totally. he, uh, I mean, it's, oh my, that's why I always do the, like I said before the show, I always announce our guests as the great and powerful because it's, it's an homage to the goat, mm-hmm. an homage to Rogan. So, um, but like I was saying with, with jujitsu, it, it made me realize like how to how to get good at something and how to how to imp- it made me realize like I can improve on something if I just like keep showing up and keep doing it. You know, I'm, I might suck today, but like six weeks from now, if I keep doing it every single day or once or twice a week or whatever that that schedule is, I'm going to drastically improve from the point that I'm at now to where I'll be in six weeks from now. And I mean, you can apply that to just about anything in life. And I mean, I'm, we're clearly applying it to this because we're, I mean, we're what, 17 or I don't know how many episodes in we are at this point. I don't even know which one this will be, but uh, I think we'll be 17, right? Something like that. Yeah. This, this, if you're listening to this today, it came out on Thursday. Yeah. So this will be the set because I think 16 was Monday. Yeah. Yep. So this is our 17th episode in the last like, what, like seven weeks, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, bro, even so, like if you were just doing two a week, 17, like that's, that's above two a week average. And I got to give a shout out real quick to my homie, uh, Austin Slagle up in Vancouver, Washington. I did his show, the, uh, the failure podcast. And, uh, I was his 20th guest. Oh, yeah? He's like, Hey, this is really important to me that you came up here and did this. Cause I flew up from St. Louis to the Pacific Northwest. And he goes, the 20th episode is usually the one where people on average have given up. And it's after that episode, typically that people start to see the hockey stick start to go like they start to build that consistent audience who looks forward to what they do and it becomes something you can rely on. And it's like, it's been so cool to see because like when he had me up, he and I had like the exact same amount of followers and he's gone up 20,000 followers since September. Holy shit. And, and all he focuses on with his content is just his podcast. And it's like followers or subscribers followers on Instagram. Oh, okay. But that's just such a big Testament to why you need to have a big thing to funnel people in your Instagram, your TikTok, and your Facebook mm. too. That's what he uses his Instagram for. And then those people come back from YouTube or from your podcast platform to this and saying that we're so close to that. And again, I give that credit to you guys. Like I might produce the show, but it's your guys' show. They're not here for me. Man, we just put it on the schedule. Show up every every Wednesday. We're here. Just like jujitsu. Just show up. Just show up. Just show up. We'll get better. You know, it's uh yeah, I mean I I like I said before, I look forward to them. They're fun. It's fun. I look forward to the guests we have on. Like, you know, we've had we've had some really good guests. I mean, that's that's definitely made help help make the show. Just finding out their story. Like, I mean, we had <clears throat> Kat on last week and Ross on and you know, and finding out all about all these people that are, like I didn't know Ross. I didn't know any of the thing about his story. Clearly he he brought that up in, in the in the episode. Yeah, did you like, do your research, bro? He's like, Man, you didn't do any of your research on on me, did you? No, I haven't like, seen that yet. That's yeah. gonna be an on that's a big project yeah, we're working that'll on. That'll be a that'll be a good good uh, uh a good 
episode or a couple episodes here coming Joe up. Joe Rogan length episode probably end up being like three hours. Yeah, probably will be. But Two it's going to be a, it's going to be good. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's a, one of Pat's former teammates, but, uh, and has got stories. He does. He's got some stories. So we went a little long winded on, on our first part, on our part one. So our camera gonna, actually malfunctioned. Yeah. The camera's malfunctioned and we had to, we're going to do an episode. All the batteries died. Yeah. It so. actually melted a memory card of mine. Really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It's okay. Well, obviously you do a, you know, your, your kind of whole brand on, on Instagram and everything is, uh, is kind of political commentary and stuff. So like what, what kind of led you into that? Like, were you always like super interested in politics or mm-hmm. like, where did that kind of come from? Like what, what, what spawned that? Um, I think there's three major things that led to me commenting on current events and I guess political goings on. Uh, number one is that I, came from a working class Democrat family. This is before like the progressive stuff that we see today. It was really just like, Hey, you know, we come from a working class blue collar background. Um, in a lot of cases, in a lot of cases, a lot of our family friends worked in unions. It it wasn't anything other than like, we just want the government to do their job by the working class person, which when you are living with that kind of idea about it, when you start listening to the people talk about politics, it goes right over your head. As, as like a 17, 18 year old kid, you know, I grew up my whole life with my dad being such a union guy. He worked for Coca-Cola and ran a forklift his whole life. And he, everything in the Bush era years was everything was George Bush's fault. And while I hate that era of life because it was so hard growing up as a kid after 2001, it was, it, it, it forced me to go in a direction that I never really understood. And so working class Democrat family, kid growing up in the Bush era, I, I immediately went to people like Bill Maher, who is a comedian and he's been doing this longer than either. He's like a true or, you know, I don't know, true Democrat or what, what would you call it? He, he's like a, he's a libertarian, libertarian but you know, he's a left or old school Democrat. That's why I've heard he, of Yeah, He's a classical liberal. That's okay. Yeah. So the root word liberal libertarian, it's always liberty. It's always personal freedom. And Bill Maher did something for me that, no one else really could. He made politics funny, kind of dumbed it down. Mm-hmm. And he kind of started to realize that he still has his biases because he would have like one Republican on, like the other three guests would all be Democrats or people who worked in media who, I mean, he pushed a narrative and he, he's really exposed himself in his later years as a guy whose writers do all the thinking for him. It's very sad to see, but I kind of got out of politics when I went to college. I didn't care for a while after Trump became president, which I never thought was going to be possible because Hillary is one of them. It's the machine versus the people. I was kind of like, Oh, and there's nothing to worry about. But towards the back end of the Trump presidency, when I came back to St. Louis and I started working for Andy, everything that kind of started going down with COVID and the pandemic and just how blatantly biased the media was and just how disingenuous the reporting had become. I started to really pay attention again. And kind of that thought process of 2016 of like, it's us versus them. I believed it more than ever because here is Andy Frisella, my friend, my mentor, my role model. And he's, he's getting all these angry calls from people who are like, you didn't post the black square. Your employees aren't wearing masks. You're not forcing people to go get medicated. And he stayed true to his beliefs. This guy who I look up to so much, whom without his teaching, without his content, I would not be who or what I am. The fact is, is that like he turned his whole brand into raising awareness for those things. And 
I made one post during the election of 2020 and I lost like 2% of my following off of it, but it was the most engaged post I'd ever had up until that point. I left the stuff alone a little bit because I continually got shadow banned. But then there was this thing that happened and I don't know. You ever heard of a guy named Harry Sisson? Mm, sounds familiar. Harry Sisson is this influencer who goes to NYU. He's like 21 years old. He can't grow any facial hair, baby faced, loud mouth more than anything. And it came out that this dude who basically all he does is he screams in his phone about how evil Donald Trump is. And he just speaks in broad generalizations. It's just like if mass media was joined down into one person, it turns out this kid and his partner who I can't name for the life of me, uh, they both got hundreds of thousands of dollars from the democratic national committee to start making this kind of content. And so basically documented. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I actually posted about it. There's a post I have uh, on my page where it goes like the grift is real. It says that like in these guys' bank accounts, that they were paid off by a shell company that's run by the DNC. And basically the whole plight of them making this content was that they were trying to influence Gen Z and soon to be Gen Alpha voters to go vote for the Democrats. It was just nonstop fear campaigns. I called him out and he never responded because I think his, his page is just where he offlets all this stuff from TikTok. But I, I said my piece, I put my face out there. And a lot of people not only told me I was a, a fascist and that I was wrong, but a lot of people supported what I said. They noticed that the media doesn't have our best interest in mind. And I'm not a Republican or I'm not a conservative. What I am is someone who has seen just how evil the corporate media machine is and how locked to the <laughs> political parties that they are. And Andy took me aside and he goes, hey, dude, can be real honest with you. You have a talent for this. and it's going to be annoying and you're going to want to quit. And there'll be days where it really sucks and you get told you're all these horrible things. But if you see a problem and you don't talk about it, you know, kind of become part of the problem. And I was like, yeah. And to be completely honest, like, is there a purpose in the stuff that I talk about? Absolutely. Do I wish I could just stop and go back to talking about like festivals and creative content? That's all I want to do. But if you see a problem and you don't solve it or you don't say something, you don't offer input, then you're putting your head in the sand. The problems that face our country today are that most people aren't involved politically. And it doesn't mean you have to become a zealot. It doesn't mean you have to become a radical. It means you have to be informed to be aware of what the people who you put in office are doing with your tax dollars, with your children's future. All this crazy shit we hear about going on about activists in public schools. It's like, it's terrible that we live in a time where we are so divided. And when people try to get involved, they immediately pit us against each other because, oh, I, I have some very leftist friends. I have some very Democrat friends. I also have some very conservative friends. I often tell them both they're wrong about something and right about something continually. I, I don't really call, call out people in politics. I really call out the media more than anything. Yeah. It gets old. Well, dude, I mean, I think over the last, I mean, well, I know for a fact over the last four or five years, mainstream media viewership is is so far down because of nobody trusts them. I mean, nobody can trust what they say because they're kind of bought and paid for. And Exceptionally. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. It's, it's definitely not the, not the, a lot of times it's not the truth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think that independent sources of media, just like we've talked about many times is, I mean, this is kind of the future and this is where, this is where this goes and people that you can actually trust and they're not bought and paid for. Well, I, this is just, it's an interesting conundrum about the, the legacy media because do you know what the Washington Post is? You ever heard what their like tagline is? No, I mean, I've heard, I'm sure I've heard it, but what it, is it? It's democracy dies in darkness. 
This is something they adopted around the 2020 election. And when you think about how biased they are, okay, it's the Washington Post. Washington State is very leftist. Sure. You know who owns the Washington Post? I know. Jeff Bezos. Okay, so this is a media company that posts all these stories about how bad millionaires and billionaires are. Your CEO, your owner, the richest person in the world, oh, is sec- the top richest five person, yeah. richest person on the face of the earth. Like that's where I have a problem. And so when I look at guys like Andy, when I look at Tim Pool, Ben Shapiro, and even the guys who I disagree with, you know, Jank Jank Weger of the Young Turks and Anna Kasparian, they do anything they can to support the Democrats. But I appreciate the fact that it's not CNN and it's not NBC and it's not Fox News, right? Yeah. No matter how much I disagree with you, damn. <laughs> you like podcasts, man. I do. Keeping up with Joe Rogan is even better news than. Oh, news. I mean that's that's how I get most of my news. I know it is. <laughs> how many thousands of hours? It was just shy of twenty thousand hours or twenty thousand minutes. It wasn't hours. I oh. fucked that up on your podcast because I uh, I think I said twenty thousand hours, and that is an absurd amount of time. Yeah, it was twenty thousand minutes. My top five artists on Apple Music for the year. I, I don't even know if I hit twenty thousand minutes. I might have hit like actually, yeah. It took all five of them. My top five artists, and you got all that with just Joe Rogan. Yeah, I can't sit there for three and a half hours. Well, dog. it's like I don't. I mean, it's I do a lot of driving. I know, but I can't listen. Well, to that dude, one. I learn shit. You know, like I'm, you know, I'm super into into a lot of the subjects. I mean, I'm super into aliens, UFOs. I mean, I love, I love hearing. I mean, I like all the politics stuff. I love hearing kind of all the conspiracy theory stuff. I love having the. I love how he has the comedians on. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of MMA and anything fighting. So yeah. you know, when he has any sort of I'm a May fighter on. I'm super into that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, there's so many people that I've learned about a bunch of like musical artists that I've never even heard of or whatever. He'll have them on. And you know, a lot of times we'll just bring a guitar and start playing and stuff. I think it's so cool to like hear like live music, but it's not yeah. live. You know, it is live. Mm-hmm. It's not live, I guess. Um, but uh, there's just so many reasons. I mean, I've been listening to him for. I mean, he's I want to say, yeah, he's the goat. He's the goat for sure. There's no, there's no debating it. Um, I mean, He's got more hours out there than anybody, and I mean, biggest podcast in the world for a reason. You know, I mean, I I enjoy the hell out of it. So I, it's definitely what was kind of my inspiration to start this. I know I've talked about that many times, but if I I, I feel like if I didn't have my key guys that I listen to with such great consistency, because I I probably listen to like three or four podcasts a day, Monday through Friday. It's just like trying to fit in the Joe Rogan experience, which is such a big commitment. It is such a big commitment. Like, because, no. okay, I wake up and I listen to Andy. Like, and typically I'm waiting for the CTIs. I'm not as big on the Q&AFs because I really am invested in what's going on in the world. And I want to hear regular people talk sure. about it. Uh, ben Shapiro, which obviously Ben is incredibly biased. He's upfront about his bias. And it's hard to argue with the guy. Uh, and then Tim Pool. Like, Tim Pool has really been in- instrumental to me doing what I do. The guy from Chicago, he was around during the Occupy Wall Street riots. And basically, like, he live streamed the entire thing. And then he does all these big stories for vice and he got, he got let go by vice and he creates his own thing with Tim cast. And, and they did an event this last September where it was him, Matt Yates, Patrick, bet David, uh, James O'Keefe, the third. And they're just sitting here talking about all the stuff that mainstream media won't talk about. Very inspiring. It's sure. you see something, say something, get a phone, get a microphone, start editing up some audio, make sure it doesn't sound like shit. People need that. People consume good quality content and content that it's the truth. People are looking for the truth and mainstream media is clearly not it. 
No. And so, I mean, any any independent person that is actually knows what they're talking about is, I mean, I, I encourage them to get out there and get in front of a microphone, you know? Yeah. I and mean, I don't, here we are just in the, in the middle of Midwest going to be talking about fatherhood and real estate, but, <laughs> but <laughs> it's but not the, our. But the thing is, is that all that stuff boils down. And we've, in the past, we've let me kind of take the lead on some episodes and we're like, guys, that's not the direction of the show. Right. And yeah, that's, we, that's, we, that's okay. The number one thing I want people to take away from like, well, and, and you know why that is, is because I'll be honest, man, it's not something I'm super educated on. You know, it's not my not not my cup of tea. It'd be it'd be literally me regurgitating regurgitating shit that I've heard on podcasts mm-hmm. or like read an art. I read read this headline. Maybe that's got to be true. But we all know that whenever you get into the actual article, and the headline is yeah. is fucking skewed in some sort of way. But you, all I want with that is to inspire people to go look into the stuff. Yeah. I actually if uh, you want apps to kind of help you delineate between what is just narrative and where there's some diversity of thought, uh, ground news, it'll give you like the perspective on who's reporting, like how much from each side. So like if something bad happens in the world of Republicans, like you'll see it gets a lot more Democrat attention. Um, and then all sides, which if you're going to like source, Hey, where is this narrative coming from? All sides is really good about telling you if this is like a far left opinion, a far right opinion, kind of center left, kind of center right, or right down the middle. And that's been very helpful to me because fact-checking is a thing now. It's like, oh, well, Snopes said that's not true. Okay, well, Snopes is a biased fact-checker, sure. just like USA Today, just like CNN. Right. But these are facts. Right. Right. Well, now you see that on, on like, all, so many Instagram posts and stuff now. Like, the you got to, like, click through the, the thing that's, like, known disinformation or what is it? So what's the thing that popped up? They would just give you a warning. A warning, you know. And, and that's kind of their little way of like keeping people at bay from talking about certain concepts online. And the unfortunate thing is, is like everyone's like, well, it's a private company. They can do what they want. It's like, hey, but if like someone's hiding something from you or telling you you can't talk about something, doesn't that like intrigue you a little bit? And why, why, are they, why are they hiding it? What are they hiding? You know, you know, uh, we know the FBI can tap Mark Zuckerberg on the shoulder. Hey, don't print this story around election time. It's Russian disinformation. Four years later, it's true. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've definitely seen that now, especially with all the other stuff that's come out about you know, the laptop and everything, that, <laughs> and and like the Twitter files and all the all the stuff that uh, Hunter Biden or what was it? Uh, oh, it's Hunter. It was, it's Hunter. Yeah. Um, and the big guy. Big guy. Ten percent to the big guy. No idea who that is. Whatsoever. <laughs> so. I mean, you're you're a little over one year into your business now. What what's the goal for Paradigm? What do you what do you where do you see yourself in like five to ten years from now? The truth is, is that like I expect Paradigm to be one leg of what I do, and I imagine that it will turn into sort of a me centric media brand. Um, something that you and I have like talked about in the past is like I I I, I at one point or another want to take my take my talents to South beach as LeBron once said. <laughs> um, but it, and that said, I want to make sure that all my people that I'm currently helping here, cause I have about a dozen people. I have like six people that I help very consistently. And then usually like half dozen to another dozen people that I help regularly, but not as frequently. These are people that I want always taken care of, but I know that my ability to be a solopreneur is going to be at its peak soon. So I want to not only make sure that those people are still creating their content, like this project goes on until it can't. Kind of like how you've always said with jujitsu, I want to do it until I can't. Well, I want to be producing podcasts for as long as possible. 
But I do think that I'm going to have not one, but probably two shows that take center stage in my life. And Paradigm is kind of going to be like base of those things. Um, one, which is the talk, which was the show that you were on where we talk about business and entrepreneurship and marketing and getting your story out there to the masses. The other one's probably going to be focused more on current events. Outside of that, I mean, I've recently just said like how much I love filming events. Like I love filming parties. I love filming festivals. As much as I talk about the politics and the current events, my heart and my soul is like dance music festivals. I have a great time with it. People come to life. You can leave all that other shit behind. And it's hard to leave that shit behind. This place, you don't really have an option. Right. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I really want to help a lot of people's personal brands get built up. I've met so many crazy personalities in the last four years of my life. And some of the podcasts I have set up for the future, that's really big to me. Continuing to be a force and a presence around St. Louis, even if I'm not formally here for all of it. Like, you know, I, I don't ever want to stop investing in this place. Yeah. It's seeing, seeing St. Louis be successful is very important to me too, man. I, I love it here. I know I've talked about it many times, but just like growing this place, improving the city, like doing, doing what we can. I mean, you know, we can only do so much, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think if everybody kind of mans together and, and can get a lot done. Mm-hmm. And, and I think over the course of the next 15, 20 years, I think, I mean, St. Louis, we, we, we just did a whole show on it recently on, on all the developments going on around here. And Which is inspiring. Super inspiring. I love it. And it just makes me so happy that, you know, in 10 years from now, I mean, look at even like South County. I mean, look look at where it was when, when we were kids and, and kind of what it looks like now. I mean, it's completely different. It really is. And there's a part of me that will always be a traditionalist. Like the, the hallmarks of, if you go to Hollywood Music Theater, it's not that. It's Riverport. Right? Yeah, it's for Riverport. sure. It's Riverport, yeah. There's there's just something about St. Louis culture that is so different from other and I've I've always made the case of like if you could take the best and worst parts of Chicago, Memphis, and New Orleans, you have St. Louis. <laughs> it's I mean, the big metropolitan feel of a yeah. Midwest place like Chicago. Uh-huh. And on top of that, they're both big sports cities. Mm-hmm. We were huge rivals with them. There are certain people who think St. Louis is a southern city, that Missouri is a southern state, and as far as like the Civil War. Technically, we are, yeah. Technically. We've kind of got, I mean, even looking at like Nelly's music, that is like the biggest thing. Kind of like that Southern hip hop. Dirty South entertainment, like that dirty, nasty, kind of just like inspired by like UGK feel. Mm -hmm. Like they've got that. Yeah, yeah, That And also you can get really good barbecue in St. Louis. Fuck yeah. It's not Memphis or KC barbecue, but it's its own thing and it's It's very good. Yeah. Pork steaks are overrated. Sorry. Yeah. They're kind of gross. They're kind of gross. If done properly, I think they're good. <laughs> and then we are like a little cousin to New Orleans. New Orleans with and Mardi Gras and everything, which is fucking today, right? Today is Fat Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, today is Fat Tuesday. I'm not doing shit. Bro, I'm not <laughs> but, too old for that shit. But a lot of people don't even recognize that. And we made the jokes about like, how you sent me the real the other night. It's like, Soto. It's Shoto. Shoto. <laughs> Le Mahali. Lee May Ferry. <laughs> Gravoy. Gravoys. Gravoys. Missouri. Yeah. Dude, it was so funny. It was literally, we were talking about that, and then like that, they dropped that, that reel. It was perfect. So funny. I would, I would love to see just a lot of really great things. One thing I really want to do, and I want Paradigm to be like an engine of, though, is I've always wanted to do public speaking. Mm. I, I, I have the gift of gab. You do have the gift of gab. You're really, you're a great speaker. You're a really great writer. That's one thing that I've always, I'm always admired about you is like your, your ability to like, just come up with a, well, you're, you're a great speaker and your ability to just like 
type up a a novel out of nowhere and it sounds like everything's grammatically correct and like it just like flows nicely and like I don't know that's something I've I, I admire and I've like thought that man that is something I want to get better at like literally like doing this podcast mm-hmm. I was you know I was like I want to learn to be a better speaker I want to learn to yeah. articulate my like my thoughts better and and be able to just be a better conversationalist because I think it's just a, a great skill to have I think for a lot of people they or like what makes a great speaker. I think you just have to be number one cognizant. Mm-hmm. The thing I busted your chops about, which I should bust Pat's chops about too, is the, you knows. Yeah. We, I think we all do it. Especially here in the Midwest. 100%. Especially. Here I, in hear, the Midwest. I hear, I hear, I hear, I've heard you say it several times in this conversation. Yeah. But it's, we, we all do it, but I think I was doing it a little bit more. When I worked at first form, they were like, Hey, you have to watch shit like that. They said that, the you knows, the rights, the the likes, the like, not even yeah, the likes is, that, that, but the other two, they're affirmatives, they're tie downs, and they're a really easy way for bad salesmen to get affirmatives out of people. And so, like the you know is like, for us, it's like, are you with me? Yeah. In sales, it's like, so you're gonna do this? You agree, right? Yeah, yeah. you're you're gonna you're, oh, you're with me. This here. is the car you want, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, this is the one you're not, you know? Sure. So I've really tried to break that, and I think. Most people, when they talk, they talk to hear themselves talk. I want to like get an idea across. I can go too deep into detail though, and I'm very long winded at times, and I need to shut the fuck up every once in a while. Yeah, but I mean, a lot you, you got a lot of shit to say, man, and you know it's it's not a not a necessarily a bad thing. I I guess that's why podcasting is so cool. It that's is. Why YouTube it's a is cool, so cool like art form. It's this new art form. It's brand, you know it's what ten years old, maybe um, a little longer, a little longer than that. I think. Like podcast started probably really about coming 15 around. years at this yeah. point. Yeah, I was gonna say it probably came around like early like 2000. Andy shows been around for 10 years. Yeah, fuck. You know, I think Rogan's been around for he's I, he's OG. 2009, OG. I think, is when he always says. He yeah, started. he was doing the webcam ones, right? Back in the day. Those are I've gungy, gone, but oh, brother, I've I've gone like I remember when I first got into it, I went back and listened to a bunch of those, and they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's they're, cool. They're to see. But that's what gets me so excited about like what you guys do or who anyone who I make a podcast for or produce for them. It's like, okay, if Joe Rogan started out like that and he did this, right. like look at what we've got going already. And I know it can be like delayed gratification can be very annoying, but fuck yeah. man. Like oh, we've got dude, a great start. I, you know, this is when Pat and I were talking about the other day. We're like, man, I'm like curious who's actually out there listening. You know, <laughs> like who are the, who are the people giving us these views? You know, <laughs> like, I'm mean, always curious who it is. You talk about cicadas one time, that yeah. video gets like video, 500% views. Dude, that was so crazy that I don't know, understand how that, how would that, that, that episode has 10x the I amount of views the rest of ours do. It's still because we were talking about drugs. Yeah, well, we, talked, we talked about drugs on this episode too. So let's see what happens. A little different drugs. A little different drugs. Don't do drugs, okay? Yeah, don't do drugs, okay? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to add on? I think that's probably a good place for us to kind of start wrapping it up. Yeah. Um, I think the last two things. I know you didn't necessarily ask for this, but no, I want to hear it. It's uh, with it. when when I talk about that, I I want average people to realize that they're capable of anything. I think these two pieces of advice will really aid them in that, which is number one, don't be afraid of change. You're going to change throughout life. Your tastes are going to change. Your impressions are going to change. Your your circles are going to change. You are a dynamic creature. You are not a human having a spiritual experience. You're a spirit having a human experience. I very much believe that if you're okay with changing and you can keep your morals sound, that part number two, which is take risk, you'll take the right risks. I took a lot of really bad risks. 
I messed up my life for a very long time. That wouldn't change a fucking thing because the person that I am is a result of the person that I was who decided to change and who decided to double down on practical skills, on helping people and not being selfish. And it's the thing that allowed me to sit in that chair or maybe a chair that sits right here multiple times a week. And it's allowed me to dictate what I do to make income for myself. It's given me great friends like you. It's helped me not live a boring, mundane existence where I pay taxes and die. And if you disagree with me on politics, that's cool. Just know that like, I say what I say so you're inspired to go out and be what you really want to be. It can get really, really hard to remember that at times, but I just, I'm glad that I got an opportunity to talk today. And I said, it was literally like, Hey, if Pat's not here, we take for granted that the audience actually knows who I am. And I thought it'd be a really cool idea just to bring our conversation from my podcast full circle. And I'm very proud of you. And I'm just grateful to be a part of this. And no matter if I'm here or if I'm on South beach someday, I'll always be a part of this. It will always have my touch on it. Thank you. Appreciate that, man. That fucking, I fucking love you, man. And I'm, I'm really appreciate everything you've done for me and what we've you know built together and what we're going to continue to build, man. I'm just some beautiful words and I, I thank you for everything and, and right back at you because I'm, I'm fortunate to have you in my life as well. So, oh, man. Um, lucky to call you a friend and a partner here. So um, I guess that'll wrap up the show guys. Uh, remember if you guys enjoyed the show today, uh, please click that, uh, that subscribe button, you know, that'll help us out. We're trying to grow the show. Uh, tell a friend if you got something out of it uh, and we will see you guys on Monday. I'm going to go edit this now.